This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mayen. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeble. And our topic this week is... It is the summer 2016 mobile phenomenon of Pokemon Go. Oh, damn. Yep. And before I start, uh, let's jump into follow-up. First point in follow-up in our topic that never dies. It got um, in the news that Samsung Pay isn't as secure <laughs> as Samsung says it is. Whoops. Yep. So uh, to just to do a reminder, Samsung Pay is the Samsung version of Apple Pay for Samsung devices. And Mr. Salvador Mendoza gave a presentation at DEFCON regarding some of the uh, possible attacks and uh, that you could do on Samsung Pay. Uh, the gist of the possible attacks are that he is, was able to scam and even generate some new tokens. Uh, and if you remember, Samsung Pay does the same thing as Apple where they generate a unique token for each transaction that use that is used as your uh, credit card number. And it seems that uh, maybe some algorithm or some kind of ad case in their code base regarding Samsung Pay. And this researcher was able to generate some valid token. And I'll put a, a link in the show notes regarding the vertical audit. And demoed, uh, there was a video link on it. And you can see that he had an Arduino device that he kind of uh, like skimmed through a couple of tokens before he was able to get a successful transaction. But even then, that at the end he's able to get a successful transaction is uh, worrying, to say the least. And just to come back a bit on Samsung, a feature that really seems interesting that uh, I don't know if it's part of the possible attack, but I don't know if you remember, Yannick, but Samsung Pay was able to use old uh, kind of swiper readers and could kind of generate <laughs> a magnetic field uh, to kind of send you information using the same technology as the magnetic stripe. Yeah, I remember that now. And that was pretty clever, to be honest, like to support really, really old terminals and knowing the adoption of like EMV or chip compatible terminals in the US, that seems to be to be a clever solution. And hopefully, it is not the reason why it is uh, less secure. It doesn't seem that, but uh, I would I wish that, that Apple at some point could maybe kind of be inspired by this type of idea and do the do something regarding uh, some old terminals or the lack of upgradability on some uh, retailers about their terminal. But do you think they they'll really do it? I mean, this is Apple. They um. They have the one port MacBook and other future looking products. I don't think it's in their interest to basically make this thing for a transitional period that's going to be completely useless afterwards. You do have a good point, and hopefully, I think you're right that they will rely and maybe push the banks to do the MV transition, especially the mobile payment transition, uh, even faster. And I think only future will tell. But I'll be honest with you, I've been using Apple Pay for a couple of uh, maybe three weeks now and it happened in some cases that i'm trying to like do nfc and it seems to be that either the iphone doesn't see it or i it tries and doesn't work so i then have to scramble find my card and make it work to just know uh, not slow down the queue uh, behind me but when it works and it, it like what 90 percent of the cases works flawlessly it is just magic cool next point on episode uh, 32, Yannick talked about retro console and how to display them on uh, modern displays. And we talked a bit about one of my personal quote-unquote retro <laughs> console, the Nintendo 64. And obviously, uh, for some people, when they hear that I consider it a retro console, uh, it's quite like still quite young compared to some of those consoles that Yannick talked. But still, the better way of putting it is the console of my youth. And Yannick linked to me a quite interesting uh, lengthy review of Digital Friendly. Like, I think at this point, they will become a friend of the show because we <laughs> mentioned them so much. But they did one of their lengthy review about my favorite N64 game, GoldenEye64. And it's uh, really interesting. I'll put the link into the show notes. And they go through like the technical details and especially the evolution of a Rave game on the N64. Because... Uh, they also talk about uh, the other game, which I forgot its name, but that's Perfect okay. Perfect Dark. 
Oh yeah, perfect doc. Thank you, Enik. And just compare the performance of it and all that stuff. And after watching this, uh, maybe the ten, uh, it's a twenty minute long, so it's ten minutes on each game. And it's quite interesting that the performance is complete shit in this game. <laughs> and by seeing the number, I just realized that that was the feeling. I kind of always assumed that it was, but never got the numbers right to it. And the guy was explaining some details about the image and some like anim- weird animation that was happening on screen. And it's like, yes, I remember seeing those. And I remember seeing like, being like thinking like this is strange but looks so amazing for that time so i didn't care that much so it's a nice uh retrospective and review of golden eye and perfect dog and i will invite our listeners to go watch it yeah uh just to plug digital foundry like for the 11 billionth time on this podcast (laughs) um df retro is a series they have going on every sunday morning when you wake up uh eastern time there will be a new video on some retro video game. Recently, they've been doing Half-Life, Half-Life 2, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, like all of the big classic games uh, from like the late 90s, early 2000s. They have been covering to a crazy amount of detail, and it's been really, really interesting. And just to add on the N64 front, uh, the N64 that you own now is my old N64 that I bought because I thought, hey, there were a bunch of cool games on the N64 that I like to revisit. And after revisiting them, I basically determined that the N64 is the console that has aged to the worst of all of that era of games. Uh, I bought an original PlayStation a couple of weeks ago, um, and I have been having way more fun with that than I have had with the N64 in my several years of ownership. And I I think, like, one of the issues, a lot of people are very, very sentimental about Mario 64, uh, very, very sentimental about uh, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. And we might actually be talking about Mario 64 a little later when we're talking about Pokemon Go, of all things. Um, but I feel like a lot of the games simply aren't that good, and the performance wasn't there either, and it makes it really, really hard to go back to in 2016 when we're used to having games that are much much better although the frame rate isn't always as better as recent games have proven but yeah yeah and i think maybe to conclude a bit on that is uh one of the games that you own was goldeneye 64 and part of uh getting your n64 is i finally own my personal copy because uh when i had our like my brother and i were sharing the n64 at that period but we never got to buy that game we were only renting it from the local video game store and i think that's why i like it so much it's just like the fond memories i have playing those games and being scared as shit about the the game even if it's not scary (laughs) like when you're like eight or nine years old it's a different story and it's just like every time i play it like when you get when you land me first the cartridge my brother and I played, spent an afternoon playing it through it and just remembering like some details. Oh yeah, you need to do that in that mission and like misremembering some other details like you could use two controllers in the one player mode. Yeah. yeah. And some crazy shit that they were kind of innovation at that time. So you might be right, but it won't change how I feel about it and it won't change how I enjoy it even to this day. It's perfectly valid. Last but not least, two episodes ago, we also played another game, which oh is also a shooter. We played The Division, and I have God. some, uh, and I have, uh, some uh, follow-up regarding The Division. Uh, first of all, Yannick will be uh, disappointed to hear that I played uh, nearly 40 hours now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's still good. I like it. And I did something that I, I didn't think that I would have done. Remember when we talked about the Dark Zone? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the PvP mode in this game is called the Dark Zone. It's kind of a zone where it's like... In the storyline, it's like, oh, we tried to save it, but there was too com- too much contaminated people, and then we let it go to shit. So uh, I made some strong comments about uh, the Dark Zone and obviously this type of mode in uh, shooter games. And I'd like to report that I finally went into the Dark Zone. Okay. And surprisingly enough, I had good experiences. 
Really? You remember my main gripes were like combining like internet plus human plus like beating each other? It, it, it equals to me a disaster. And it was good until I realized that I've, I've done something that I should have not done and people started to hate me. <laughs> Obviously, that was my fault. And then I was like, like 10 seconds later, then it's like, oh, I think I should have not pressed triangle there. I think I kind of sabotaged something that people <laughs> were trying to do and like total noob of me. And then I kind of understood and it went well. Yeah, it's kind of strange because it's not like directly a multiplayer mode. It's sort of a joint. It can be collaborative. It can be competitive depending on if you want to be a dick to those people. <laughs> um, but And they're also computer enemies as well so it's sort of strange really it's not a pure multiplayer mode in that sense oh yeah and uh, I, I still think that like those modes can bring some disaster that i want to kind of skip and not be part of that's another episode <laughs> but yes you're right that's another episode but i was surprised and maybe uh i'll maybe like report back on those uh, if i play a bit more of it but uh, as first impression, I, I wouldn't say I liked it, but it wasn't that bad. Let's, let's put it this way. Wow. Glowing praise. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, uh, I have one little item to cover before we move on to the main topic, and that is that the last episode was fully edited within Ferrite for the iPad Pro. Um, we had a couple other episodes in the past which were fully edited in Ferrite on the iPad Pro, except the problem is uh, the silence cutting would often cut off parts of words um and we thought that the error rate was so high that we basically had to give up on using ferrite um there have been numerous updates to ferrite uh and they've added some features that i was requesting and now i am happy to report that it takes about the same amount of time to edit a podcast in ferrite as it does on audacity on the desktop the results are practically indistinguishable once you get the actual audio file out of it and it's just way more enjoyable than using piece of shit Audacity that hasn't been updated in like eight years and is non-retina and complains about like, it's really old. Oh, it is really old. It, it's basically intolerable. Um, so yeah, I'm going to continue editing the podcast in Ferrite for the near future. Now I actually have presets set up for both of our voices, so it should take even less time next time, which should be interesting. And I'm really excited that we can move this entire portion of the regular podcasting workflow onto the iPad Pro. Good. Now, let's jump into Pokemon Go. Oh, God. Yep. So, I've decided that it would be a good opportunity to talk about Pokemon Go, especially uh, regarding the history of this podcast. We talked a lot about video games. We talked a lot about free-to-play games. And we also somewhat talk about mobile gaming in general but i think you would consider yourself as a pokemon player you've played most of the pokemon games if i recall correctly i've played all the ones in the main series except for the remakes because there are certain remakes i haven't played i haven't played heart gold soul silver because gold and silver are my babies and i don't want to ruin them with a remake that may or may not be better than the original and I don't particularly care for Ruby and Sapphire, so I haven't played Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Which is like a big contrast to my personal experience with Pokemon, which is still like first generation, first games, and that's it. I haven't played to any of the new games. I like, I'm the old man bitching about the new generation, saying like, bring me back my 151 original quote-unquote pokemons and every time i say that to my friends including tony they always like to remind me that pokemons are like animal and human there's an evolution there's like different regions you have different species and blah 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 and it's just kind of bullshit too and i think this is where uh, pokemon go we might uh, be more interesting for somebody like me which uh i might be followed a uh, pokemon only for its first generation, or, or just like remember the first generation, and was not our hardcore fan. Uh, I know that you like Pokemon, and I wouldn't think you're a hardcore fan. Like you wouldn't play the next game the second it got released. But um, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, oh, okay. You should see how many hours I did in the first week of Pokemon X and Y when it came out. 
It, I think I did a hundred hours in the first week minimum. Oh wow! Oh wow! If okay. not more. So yeah, I'm really into Pokemon. I am into competitive Pokemon as well. Uh, I have spreadsheets with statistics about oh, my Pokemon. Right. I forgot about I that. I am yeah, super yeah. anal about Pokemon, so I do not take that like compliment saying that okay, I'm sorry, not necessarily. But... I, I am a hardcore Pokemon fan. Now remember, okay, so you're mostly like Tony. But I, I do actually sort of agree with you to a certain degree that I feel much more strongly about the original. I, you like the original 151, and I sort of have to agree that 151 original ones are the most iconic. But for me, the original 251 are really where the bulk of my favorite Pokemon are. And then afterwards it sort of drifts out of control because they've sort of done all of the good ideas already and you sort of have like six pokemon that don't quite look like pikachu but are almost pikachu uh and in fact uh, one of my friends spirit snare shout out if you're listening uh went on wonder trade which is a feature in pokemon x and y where you can just give a random pokemon and receive a random pokemon from someone else who's online uh he nicknamed all of his not pikachus pikachu and he put them up on wonder trade and traded them away that i was very amused by that um so i i think like the original lineup the first two generations i'd say were really the best and the first one is obviously the most iconic especially for people our age because we grew up with the anime and the Pokemon cards and all that stuff. So, I mean, those are ingrained in our minds. I don't think you can ask anybody our age to name Pokemon and they fail to do so because it was just omnipresent when we grew up. Yeah, I I wouldn't think that they would be able to name all of them, but obviously they wouldn't be able to name the first three starter and obviously they will be able to name Pikachu because Pikachu was kind of a part of the big marketing push here in North America. But yeah, so my point regarding that was to say that uh, I think one of the reasons why Pokemon Go is so successful these days is right now it only focuses on the first 150 Pokemons. And this is where it, it's on for people of our age. And Actually, I, should, I need to make a recommendation right now for you. You need sure. to go play Pokemon X and Y on the 3DS because... That game, more than any other game, I think even more than the remakes, they try really, really hard to appeal to people who were fans of the first generation, and I think it succeeds at that very well. I think mechanically it's not necessarily the best Pokemon game, but if you are very drawn to the original 151 Pokemon, you have a lot to gain by playing Pokemon X and Y. Well, that's good. I'll take that into consideration. Knowing that when Sun and Moon will get released, I'll uh, will be forced to play them. So uh, if I have time before the release of uh, of those two new games, I'll try to find Tony's copy of them. I'm sure they're all lying around. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll try them. If you say that uh, I might be able to enjoy them as much as I enjoyed Blue and Red and Yellow. Uh, so if we... Uh, Go back for a second our, uh, on our uh, Pokemon discussion. What is Pokemon Go? And I don't want to explain it that much because if you don't know what it is, you're... L- I don't know. You're I don't know what to tell is you. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> no, you're living under a rock. But if you want to go as far as saying loser, it's not me that said it. It's Yannick. So blame Yannick, email Yannick, do whatever you want. But uh, Pokemon Go is pretty straightforward. Like it's an augmented reality game where you go around the world around your neighborhood and you catch you catch pokemon i think like my five-year-old me is 10-year-old me and most of my friends 10 years like persona still like it in their brain are just like giggling like small child right now and i think that's what makes it the phenomenon that it is right now like um the social impact of it is gigantic um and let me like give you a good example of it so a couple of weeks ago we were around montreal and just uh coming back from an activity downtown and obviously we were in a neighborhood in a a spot where there was either a pokey stop or like tons of pokemon around um and twice in a minute 
Tony stopped Stranger and told them how to properly play the game. Or like, do oh, you need to do, like, you can disable the AR feature if you don't want to be a jerk and walk in the middle of the sidewalk and just, like, hurt everybody. Or just be a jerk in the middle of the sidewalk, like, walking with its phone, like, above its head, trying to catch a Pokemon. And just for that, it's just like, <laughs> it was so funny the way I looked to him. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, I know that you're happy about the game and, you know, but please, like, let them do stupid things. They'll, they'll figure it out themselves. Like, no, it's important that they know it's important. And all of this, like, social culture and this just, like, giant community that is creating itself by just people, like, it seems to me that these days, if you're on your phone in a place where there's more than 10 people, at least one person will come by and say, like, oh, are you playing Pokemon Go? Okay, can I share my anecdote about this? <laughs> okay, maybe not in smaller cities, but No, 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 here... no, no, no. Okay, I, I mean, it happened to me, except I don't play Pokemon Go. I am just always on my phone, because when I get off work uh, nowadays, um, I used to take an extra bus, which, is on- which only runs during the school year, and obviously school is off right now, so I have to wait a half an hour when I get off work at the bus terminal doing absolutely nothing for half an hour until the bus gets there um luckily school is starting soon so i won't have to do that anymore but it's really painful to do that at like 30 degree heat but anyway so i'm sitting on my phone and people walk up to me and start talking about pokemon and i have to like say no i'm not playing pokemon i'm just looking at my phone i'm on twitter and they were like what the fuck are you doing looking at twitter why aren't you playing pokemon go and that is when i realized wow i'm too old to live Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh no, you're not. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I, I, with all of that, now you know that Yannick doesn't play to Pokemon Go. But now instead of playing on my phone, I just play on my DS or on PSP or PS Vita or whatever. And people don't bug me because they think, ah, oh, look at that loser not playing Pokemon <laughs> Go instead. Oh my goodness. If I, I continue a bit on what is, to me, the main reason why uh, it is like a big phenomenon is just the social nature of it and it's surprising because as far as I know there's no not that much social feature in the game like like I said the game is you walk around you go to certain places that uh, the game has tag as Pokestop you get some Pokeballs and uh, some stuff and you walk around your neighborhood and you see a near my quote unquote radar mode where you see some Pokemons and what type they are, and what kinds are they. And you just go to this place, around this place, and you see them pop up on your maps, and you just catch them. To this day, there's still no, like, trading feature. I heard it's coming, but taking that into consideration, there's no social feature in the game while the game is being so much social outside of its own content, its own box. There's nothing in the game forcing you to be social. There's nothing, like, no incentive for you to talk to other players. It's just the phenomenon that Pokemon was 20 years ago is kind of brought back to life with our generation of, like, right now, no longer child, children, but, but like, 20-something, I started to work, I have money, and I have a nice phone, and... I remember I used to love like Pikachu and all of the other Pokemons and playing those games and just this kind of like social and I wouldn't say social but all of this lacking any social feature creates its own community and the fact that you need to walk around your neighborhood you just see people and your people are just like interested to talk about it even if like they haven't met people and this is just like super interesting to me what i find particularly interesting about the lack of in-game social features is that it is very very uncommon for a game in the free-to-play mobile genre to not have social features built into the app um because usually it's about getting your friends into the game and if you can get your friends into the game then there is a likely chance that they will spend money on the game and if there's a likely chance that they spend money on the game then that is more money in their pockets whereas pokemon go sort of shies away from that altogether and the other thing that's really interesting is I was listening to the 8-4 Play podcast, which is a great podcast about uh, Japanese video games from Japan because they are a localization company for video games. 
And they were talking about how the social norms around Pokemon Go are completely different in Japan because they have completely different etiquette and standards as to when you talk to people. And basically nobody talks to each other when they're playing Pokemon when they're in Japan. They're just sitting there on their phones insularly and looking around at other people. And occasionally, like, someone's going to pass next to you and they're going to say, oh, that person's playing Pokemon or whatever. But it's that's the limit of the social interaction, really, in Japan. And it's completely different. Um so it's very much like a North American European thing to actually have some sort of social community surrounding Pokemon Go completely unorganized and impromptu on the side of the road or whatever. Oh yeah, and I went from one extreme and let's go to the other. Like it goes from like you talk to a stranger when you just play Pokemon while on your commute or just like while you've decided that tonight you go on a walk just to play Pokemon. On the other side of it is most of my friends these days, they just go out together. They say like, let's meet at this place at 7 and the activity for the night is not to get a drink, it's not to go to the cinema, it's just to play Pokemon. Yeah. And it I, it comes, it becomes the social activity that friends do together. And that's just like amazing to me. And it, and it goes back to what you just said, like free-to-play games one of the incentives to make more people play to them is kind of to force you to bring more people to the game. And what it seems to me is the company behind the game, Niantic, they, I don't know if they knew, but it seems to me that they didn't haven't built those features kind of half-knowingly that people love Pokemon so much that they just talk to each other about the game and they will rely on word to mouth just to propagate the game on other phones and not on like like pushy filly typical play free to play like tricks to bring more people to uh to the user base. Uh if I stay a bit on those uh free to play kind of like what we're expecting of a free to play game is obviously uh you can buy in game Pokemon with money. I think you'll You can't buy the Pokemon themselves with money. No not Pokemon sorry uh Pokemon items. Well, I, like, I think you can get Poke coins or like some types of coins that can be bought with money. And then you can buy either Pokeballs or uh, like Hyperballs. And as you can see, like, my, there's lure modules you can use to attract Pokemon to you. There's yes. incenses, which I believe are tied to the type of the Pokemon. So you can say, like, try to attract water Pokemon specifically. At least that's how they work in the original Pokemon games. I'm not sure if they're exactly the same in Pokemon Go. As far as I remember, they are generic. Oh, okay. But I might be wrong. Like, as you can see, most of my interaction with the game are with my phone, my friend's phone, or Tony's phone. Like, uh, So you don't uh, play it yourself? No, not yet. <laughs> I should create an account soon-ish, but I haven't, like, plunged it, because in most cases, I just, like, go with the flow, and or either just, like, I think most people have just enough knowledge to follow your friend's conversation. And if you have, like like me, a boyfriend or friends that are like really into Pokemon and especially into Pokemon Go, you're able to uh, follow the trend. Uh, but if we go back a bit on uh, what I wanted to say about the free-to-play kind of typical tricks is even if you want to spend money, I wouldn't say it's hard, but the game is not kind of forcing you to spend money on it. And I believe like other games we've talked about on the in the past from the Pokemon company that were free to play, there is a max limit you can actually spend on the game. Oh, I didn't know that though. I believe there is. But most of my friends, they tell me that it's super easy to go to certain spots in the city where there's tons of Pokestop and the main reason for the the main existence of the Pokestops are to get items. And obviously, some items are rarer than others, so you might be incentivized to buy them. But if you go to those Pokestop, like, or if you go to certain Pokestop frequently enough, or just go to shit ton of Pokestop because you have tons of them near you, it is easy to get, like, way more, like, way enough Pokeballs to catch tons of Pokemon in the night. And it seems to me that. It's another of those like rare free to play game where you're really not incentivized to pay for it, and the developer seems okay by that. 
Yeah, and clearly if you look at the top grossing charts, it's not like people aren't spending money on this game. Oh, exactly. People are spending shit ton of money. I think it beat one of the Apple, Apple App Store records. Yeah, it did. In I fact, Tim Cook had to talk about it on the earnings call and he mispronounced Pokemon. Oh, Poke... Poke... He said Pokemans, I think. Pokemon, oh, yeah. Something like that. Poor Tim uh, Cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we uh, just go back a bit, and I wanted to talk a bit about the company behind the game. Because funny enough, funnily enough, it's not Nintendo. It's kind of Nintendo is hidden far away. They invested in some money and obviously invested uh, in the trademark through the Pokemon company. But still, the company behind it is called Niantic. And have you heard of this company before Pokemon Go? Yeah. Okay. Can you care to comment about it? Because I, I mean, was totally... They, they were a subsidiary of Google for a while and they had this experimental game-ish thing that people weren't too sure what it was called Ingress. Which is Did you play Ingress? Uh, no, I didn't play Ingress. But it's basically exactly the same as Pokemon Go minus the Pokemon catching mechanic. It's yeah, it's the exact same game except with the sci-fi setting instead of Pokemon. Yeah, I think it's like you catch up or like you... It's like massively portal. multiplayer capture the flag on an yeah, urban yeah, yeah. map between with, factions. Yeah, with with portals and sci-fi team. Yeah. And um, that was the first part that surprised me, that this company was part of Google a couple of years ago. And yeah. It was, it was and there pretty were, recent. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion as to, like, why is Google making this game? Is it to try and build their... Uh, their point of interest database for Google Maps? Is it trying to get Wi-Fi triangulation data? What exactly is the purpose of this game? And we never actually figured out what the point of ingress was. Um, clearly, looking at it now, the point of ingress was to seed the point of interest database for Pokemon Go because the Pokestops are exactly the same as the portals and the capture points in uh, ingress. Yeah, and it's pretty easy. To, it's pretty easy to see the trend of points of interest. Like, if, as far as I remember, the gyms are either on main attraction in the city or in religious buildings. Yeah, they wanted the gyms to be basically easily recognizable landmarks in the city. So churches are usually big and ostentatious and that is precisely what they wanted gyms to be so they locked on to the churches which may or may not be the best idea i'm not sure yeah at least it's easily recognizable like you said and it's surprising because the only thing i heard from this game and from this company was when we heard of pokemon go and a lot of people were saying that the game ingress before pokemon was kind of was kind of the reason why Pokemon is so not perfect, uh, because maybe we'll talk a bit about that later, but I think it's well run, I would say. Like, you know that even a small town, you were able to get either a Pokestop or two in a small, like, village or, like, small, like, rural town, and you're able to catch Pokemon because they had, like, work out the kinks of their algorithm to take the data the map data of a certain region of uh, of the world and just like say apply this kind of pokemon or ingress logic into it for the players to play to it and it's surprising that they were able to kind of t- fine tune that even with maybe like a tenth or a hundred of the user that pokemon go has yeah the thing about ingress is i think it ran for maybe four or five years um, and it had a small player base, but it was incredibly dedicated. And I think that really shows in the data that Pokemon Go launched with. Um, yeah, because the game was... Um, I don't have the no, the date uh, on end, but it, if I recall correctly, it was launched in 2011 as an invite-only game. Yeah. And a couple of years later, we got like open bar. Everybody is able to get in the game. And I think we've seen some reason why this maybe started as an invite only maybe they should have done that uh, with pokemon go uh because uh we've seen and i think i think it's less problematic these days but let's like go back maybe like a month ago like two weeks ago 
it was frequent enough that you would go and po try to go use Pokemon Go and it would say like not able to connect to the servers or it was trying and the application was uh like handling this miscommunication to this to the server like poorly. It uh has been a big issue when it launched because I think part of uh part of the strategy or part of just what they did to the release plan for different regions around the world is they kind of assumed that they had they will have more players than ingress, but maybe not like ten times more, one hundred times more. It's like maybe like three, four times more. Actually and... I, I don't think that's what their strategy was. I think their strategy was we're going to roll out the game gradually region by region as we can scale the game. What they didn't anticipate was that users were going to just change App Store to the other region that had Pokemon Go and download it anyway, which is what a lot of people did. And I think that is primarily what broke Pokemon Go is demand was so abnormally high and people were downloading so much from uh, overseas App Stores that they didn't anticipate that the demand was still going to be as high as it was, um, which is part of the problem. The other part of the problem, which is something that a lot of people rant about but don't seem to really understand, is there are a lot of third-party utilities which are based on top of the Pokemon Go. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's a, an actual official API. I think they're just, like, sniffing traffic from the app, which makes this even worse. But there are third-party apps that were trying to give you a closer read as to what Pokemon are in your area and how close they are physically to you. And those apps were eating up API requests and computing resources like crazy. And Niantic basically had to ban those apps from accessing their API. And then everybody on Twitter bitched because they're like, I use this app all the time. Unreal, like not realizing that like Southeast Asia couldn't get online because the servers were too pounded and they were trying for weeks and weeks to get Southeast Asia running and they just couldn't or Pokemon Go launched in Japan much later than it was supposed to because they just didn't have the computing resources available to power Japan and Japan is like one of the biggest markets for Pokemon Go amusingly enough um and yes it's surprising because it was one of the last one to be online through Pokemon Go because it was Launch in North America first. Yeah. And when I say North America, I think it's more, it was lost in the US first. And I think in some European countries and then Canada, and then it like slowly grew, grew through the West until Japan got it, what, two weeks ago, if I recall correctly? It's pretty recent that Japan got it. It's a month ago. It's just the time flies very quickly. <laughs> See? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just to conclude a bit on that and on the like server issues, you're right. Like I've seen maybe three or four like iOS known iOS developers that my kind of have hinted at, oh uh, maybe I'll do some kind of radar app for Pokemon Go. So I would understand why they had to fight back and make sure that only or in most cases only their own application could hit the server to make sure that most people and like as much people as they would want to get would be able to hit their own server. Uh, before we move on, have you heard about Pokemon Go on Twitch? <laughs> no. Okay, so there were a couple of things that popped out of this. First was Twitch plays Pokemon Go, of course, of course. Um, of course. Which had a jailbroken iPhone which could spoof its GPS and magically move from place to place, you would. Uh, it started in Central Park in New York, and with the chat, you could say northwest, east, south, and move around and catch Pokemon. And it was really, really wonky, but it was hilarious to watch in the first couple hours. Um, do you know? By the way, I'll stop you there for a sec. Do you know that there's this even a simpler version to spoof the GPS without jailbreaking? And we had fun with that at work. I am not sure what you're talking about, but please tell me. <laughs> sure. Remember that you can spoof GPS location while you debug an application. Oh, I thought that was just in the simulator. No, if you oh. run, if you run into debug mode, your application. So imagine an application that it's a dummy app that just has a map view control on. That's your own. You compile it, you install it in your phone, and you leave your phone plugged in. And you just go into this like 
faking the location and you just input uh i think it's a like json gps i don't remember geojson yeah geojson file and the i think it's core location because it's really strange the second you do that your whole phone thinks it's <laughs> at the first lo- okay, the first like zero coordinate that has it in a file and one of my colleague created a file containing all of the points from his place to work so oh, he could man. fake <laughs> walking from home to work and just catch Pokemon and we had a blast when he showed us that it was super funny that is a clever use of the debugger um yeah, so there was Twitch Plays Pokemon Go. Uh, that didn't last very long. I think someone found a way to like exit the app because probably it crashed, and then it just became Twitch Plays iPhone OS, which is <laughs> slightly oh. more dangerous. Um, so uh, that got pulled fairly quickly. And then last week, uh, Nintendo and Twitch announced collaboration to ban people from Twitch if they play Pokemon Go and spoof GPS because it goes against the terms of service of Pokemon Go. And the Twitch terms of service say that you can't do anything with a game on stream that is against its terms of service. So they are now actively trying to catch people who are spoofing GPS on stream and playing Pokemon Go to try to permanently ban them from the game. The problem is what actually ended up happening is I, I was looking through the Pokemon Go directory at work the other day when uh, on my lunch break, and most of the streams have just added no GPS to their stream description, but they are clearly just sitting at their desk inside their house playing Pokemon Go. So either they are just playing in their house which is terribly boring and not interesting to watch or they are spoofing gps anyway and just putting no gps in the stream description to try and scare away the twitch view uh twitch moderators who could ban them um so that is your update on what's going on with twitch (laughs) and pokemon go it's really stupid it's really not interesting to watch even when they are spoofing gps it's only really interesting if someone is really moving around, but in practice, nobody does it ever. Yeah, because the only way you could they could make sure that you're not spoofing the GPS would be for you to kind of have a, have a GoPro, like film like on your body, filming your phone in your hand, and you're all walking, and they could see like the area around you that they could confirm that. Oh, okay, I see you're in Central Park because I see visual cues of Central Park, and I see that on your phone it says Central Park. That would be strange a bit. Yeah. But I could imagine people watching that all day long. I mean, that would be way more interesting to watch than fucking someone sitting in their desk and saying, hi, I'm in Central Park now. Fair. Fair. On a a small tangent, do you know what is the main complaint that I heard regarding Pokemon Go? It's probably not one that I have. Uh, Well, is it the media coverage? (laughs) That's not one the one I was ending at, but that was another, that's another one. Uh, the main one is the same one that makes Battery Case Maker happy. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, that's also one of the reasons I haven't even bothered to install it on my phone because my phone barely makes it to lunchtime. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the main reason why I'm going into that direction is... Obviously, the app consumes a shit ton of battery because, yep. like, screen, GPS, cellular data... That's the recipe to burn a battery. But the main solution that Niantic and Nintendo has for it is called Pokemon Go Plus. Which has have been delayed. Yes, it has delayed. Uh, I think the, like, the latest release date is September. Yeah, I think so. But Pokemon Go Plus is a Bluetooth wearable that will be able to communicate with your phone via Bluetooth and you'll be able to play Pokemon Go without using your phone and it's like giant screen and battery and blah, blah, blah. So at least you'll be able to save on screen usage battery and do most of what you should do inside the application, which is either capturing Pokemon or getting items at Pokestop. And uh, while you walk around the city, you'll be able to get vibration, like this quote-unquote smartwatch, even if it's just like a kind of a Pokemon Go bracelet, 
will be able to vibrate and tell you, oh, there's something here, or there's a Pokemon there, or there's a Pokestop there, or there's a gym that you might want to get your phone out and do something with it. And um, it has been teased for as long as the game has been teased by Niantic, as far as I heard. Yep. They were announced basically at the same time. Yeah, they announced the game and this wearable. And the wearable was shown before any gameplay was shown. Right, it's some kind of mix between the maps, like a map map pushpin from Google Maps, like the one with the triangle at the end, and some kind of Pokeball look, if I remember correctly. And it was supposed to get released at the same time as the game, if I recall correctly. I think it was a couple weeks after the game. But it should have been released now, but it's not. Yeah. And it's surprising to me that they've decided to go with an hardware solution and maybe not use the current like smart wearable that we have. And I found a quote that I'll add, a show not- I'll add in the show notes. Uh, it was a while ago. It's an, uh, an article from Polygon that was uh, talking about the video game aspect of smartwatches and wearables and how could wearables affect them. And they got a quote from an Eminentic employee, I think it may also be the CEO, where they said, like, the main reason why Pokemon Go will have its own hardware is to bring greater potentials to most of our users, a giant portion of our user base. So it, it is surprising to me that they haven't gone to a, a solution where they have both this hardware and both, uh, maybe like an Apple Watch app, an Android Wear app, and they only decide to focus on their own hardware. Well, the cynical Ob- thing to say is you can't charge for the Apple Watch app or for the Android Wear app that does it. So that's the first thing is like, yeah, you're selling like this 50 or $70, I don't remember what the exact price is, um, piece of plastic that basically vi- all it does is vibrate and has a Bluetooth connection that gets notifications from the phone that basically tell it to vibrate. It's not a particularly complicated device, and you can sell it for a big markup because it's tied to this Pokemon Go thing. Easy money. And especially, like, it makes it even more obvious why they aren't pushing the in-app purchases as much because they don't need to because they have this hardware thing. Um, So there's that. There's also the fact that I don't think, like, I, I think it's much more viable for kids and their parents to play Pokemon together while on a walk together where the kid could have the Pokemon Go Plus and it wouldn't necessarily be like this $250, $300 smartwatch that's tied to their child. It's just like this $50 or $70 disposable thing that sort of doesn't really do anything outside of Pokemon and that if it breaks, well, it's not like a disaster Oh yeah, no, I totally get that part, but it seems to me also on the like other side where, as far as I know, most of their user base are people of our age, where, uh, and some of them, not all of them, come on, but a shit ton of them will want to spend money on the shiny new Apple Watch or the shiny new Android Wear Watch or any of those like new wearables that are the kind of the cool gadget of the moment. And I think like realistically they don't even need to do an iphone or uh, an apple watch or an android wear app watch they just need to have notifications in the app and honestly i'm surprised they don't have that because like tons of other social and mobile games like have notifications that never shut the fuck up (laughs) uh so it wouldn't have been hard to add it to pokemon go but i think because they knew they were making the hardware from the get-go they didn't even bother to include that which i think is detrimental to the game when you don't have it, but I understand that they want to sell this little plastic thing. On the other hand, like even if I was playing Pokemon Go, which of course I'm not, I'm not going to wear this stupid $50 thing just because I want to play Pokemon Go because you look like a moron. You know what? I think in a couple of episodes, if it doesn't get delayed again, I think I might be able to bring a follow-up regarding the Pokemon Go Plus because I know I know for a fact Tony will get it and Tony will like just use it all the time. Oh well. So we'll get follow up regarding that. Um I'll be honest with you, uh I might want to close uh do the closing remarks regarding Pokemon Go. Before I do that, do you have anything else you want to add regarding Pokemon Go? I have a bunch of stuff to say about Pokemon Go. Um 
I heard a lot of people say that this is the Pokemon game that they've always wanted as a child and that it's the game that fulfills the fantasy about being a Pokemon trainer. And the big reason I'm not playing Pokemon Go, like people say like you're a big Pokemon fan, why aren't you playing Pokemon Go? Is because I play Pokemon not necessarily for the franchise and I play it more for the game that's under it. And there's nothing in Pokemon Go that is really interesting from a mechanical point of view. Like, it's barely a game. <laughs> it is a thing where you catch Pokemon, and yes, there's... Uh, I mean, we haven't even really explained how gym battles work, but you battle oh, other people at gyms using your Pokemon, and basically uh, whoever stands on the point with uh, whichever team, because there are three teams, there's Mystic, Valor, and the other one I forgot. Oh, it's the yellow one. No. I think yes. Valor is the yellow one. No. Uh... Is Valor the red one? I don't know. I only know they're <laughs> dorky uh, gym leaders or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Because the fan art for those are actually really, really good. That's the only thing I like about Pokemon Go is the fan art. Um, but yeah, uh, basically, whoever, uh, whichever team has the most Pokemon who stay on the zone and deplete the HP of the other team faster, basically captures the point, and then someone else needs to show up to the gym with a Pokemon from another team and then capture the gym and whatever. It's it's very loosely related to the Pokemon battle system, but basically, like, Pokemon don't even have moves as far as I can tell. Um, oh, no, they do not. I think the when they... No, yes. When you, like, in an, are in a gym, you just, like, bash the screen and they do something. Yeah, it, it, mechanically, it is very, very, like, there are no mechanics to this game. There is Ingress with a Pokemon skin on top of it, and if I wanted to play Ingress, I'd just play Ingress because I just think it's a better fit. Um, it, there's nothing, like, I was talking earlier about how we'd mentioned Mario 64, and this is precisely why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, I am one of the few people out there who bitch on Mario 64 because I find that Mario 64, while it is a good introduction to 3D platformers, because it was a, one of the first ones to really make it big and to innovate in that space, I think it lacks a lot of the things that make Mario games that are in 2D Mario games. Like, Mario games usually teach you how to play the game within their level design. This is, like, documented to hell on the internet. You can go look up videos explaining how... World 1-1 of Super Mario Brothers is, like, the most brilliant level design of all time. I don't necessarily agree with those statements, but I think it is a damn good level design. And Mario would teach you everything. And then you move fast forward to the 3D Mario games where there is so much complexity inherent in 3D video games that they have to resort to stupid explanatory text that tells you how to play the games. And then you play Super Mario Galaxy 2, and you literally have this little fucking star thing shoving down your throat every three seconds with walls of text explaining how to play the game when ideally the game should be teaching you from its level design and may i, may I remind you uh, sorry i'm stopping you there may i remind you that i really enjoyed super mario galaxy i haven't played the second one but i think i did i'm not saying it's a bad game i'm saying it's not what i consider to be a mario game fair fair but in most cases i think you've also played it and you didn't like it too i haven't played galaxy 2 oh um so yeah so i think like the 3d mario sort of live in this bubble of yes they have mario in the game but they're not really mario games because they lack the elements that i consider to be iconic mario features and i think the only mario games that are technically three dimensions that have lived up to what i consider to be Mario features is Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS and Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U. I think those games are fantastic because they basically teach you how to play from the levels and they don't bug you with incessant explanatory text. Uh, where I'm going with this is none of the elements that make Pokemon Pokemon are present in Pokemon Go for me. The Pokemon creatures are there, but none of the gameplay mechanics that I have found to be emblematic of pokemon are there and i'm not necessarily opposed to spin-offs of the pokemon series that take things in different directions for example pokemon trading card game um 
either the actual physical version or the video game version, it took creative license to turn what is a basically standard RPG system and transform that into a trading card game that works and that also has the different incentives that trading card games have, like we need to try to be able to sell new packs to you every sort of while, so maybe we won't put the best moves on the Pokemon and save those for a later revision card or something like that. Um, they bent the format, but they still sort of stayed true to what made Pokemon Pokemon. You can also look at Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, which is a spin-off series, which basically gives you roguelike Pokemon, which is completely different to play. I mean, I'm playing through one of the games right now. It's completely different to play, but it still retains the elements of what make Pokemon Pokemon. It's still an RPG at heart. There is nothing in Pokemon Go that says this is an RPG or this has the same battle system sense as Pokemon because there's basically no battle system. It's completely dumbed down and the AR mechanic is all that is really there. And if I wanted to play that game, I would have played Ingress, except I didn't because, I mean... I could have played it, but I didn't. Um, no, and I think I think your main argument touched the main selling point of Pokemon Go is it is just a game where it's selling the image of Pokemon exists for real. It's a location-based catch... slot machine with Pokemon. Fair. No, fair to say. And I think this is why, in general, and also for people that haven't played Pokemon for a while and like it's it was a game of their uh of when they were children and it's why it's still so popular because it just bring back this like fan- child fantasy of what if I'm able to catch real Pokemon in real life and this is what makes it sell. It might not make it sell to some Oracle fan like you Yannick where you cannot create those spreadsheets of like make make sure that this Pokemon is of the uh, maximum HP with this specific move and blah 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 but still I think this won't come in Pokemon and they don't I, I don't think they will lose anything by doing so like if they only stay what they do right now we know that they are bringing more social feature to the game they will bring the big one that they will bring is trading so you'll be able to trade Pokemon with friends but still, when you go to a gym, it will sold bashing of the screen until you beat the mon- uh, the beat other Pokemon, and hopefully you'll be able to be of IRCP. I think they are called. It, yeah, in, in, I uh, think Pokemon Go. fundamentally the game is not meant for me as the target audience. Like the main games are for me because they are fundamentally really good handheld RPGs at heart. And what worries me as a hardcore fan is. If Pokemon Go becomes much bigger than Sun and Moon are going to be this fall with regards to how much money it makes, if that becomes the main focus of the Pokemon franchise, then I'm not interested in Pokemon anymore. That's the main worry I have as a gamer. And I think you can look at the same things. I mean, I, I, I've i been criticizing people for being hard on Konami, but I can sort of relate to Metal Gear fans who are seeing Metal Gear slot machines coming out and no Metal Gear games because, well, obviously Kojima doesn't work at Konami anymore. <laughs> but, like, there, and like every time Konami puts a Metal Gear slot machine video on YouTube, there are like tons and tons of dislikes from like passionate fans in the West. And I'm sort of like that, except I'm not enough of a dick to go dislike the video, but for Pokemon Go. Um, but like from the moment the first gameplay shots were leaked for Pokemon Go, I immediately saw it and I said, this isn't for me. And that's why I haven't played it. I haven't even downloaded it to my phone. It's not interesting at all to me. And that's why I'm sort of, I I mean, I don't have anything against people who are enjoying it. It's just, it's not for me. Uh, Next thing I wanted to cover is, this is the last thing it's, and we touched a little bit on it before. Media coverage is fucking intolerable. (laughs) Oh my God. Three adjectives for you. Incorrect, uninformed, and incessant. Okay. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Would you be able to apply those same three adjectives when typical media tries to cover any like tech phenomena? It That's feels fair, me- but it feels like as a gamer, I am watching like the Fox News of video games on TV every single day when I get home and they're talking about Pokemon Go and they have no fucking clue what they're talking about. Like, 
over and over again, we've seen them say that it's a Nintendo game and that Nintendo stock is, well, Nintendo stock actually was up. That was correct. But yes, what is incorrect is not calling people out on how stupid they are for actually buying the wrong stock because it's not actually them who made the game. Um, uninformed, that's, they are. And that's why, that's why it's down too, by the way. Yeah, it went back down. Unfortunately, uh, the Tokyo Stock Exchange has a maximum uh, decrease amount of 17% per day. So it couldn't actually go down more than 17%, but it should have gone way fucking more down than 17%. Tell you lucky that. for them. Uh, yeah, lucky for them. Um, uninformed, uh, there's a lot of things. Like, people act as if uh, Pokemon Go is the first AR game, or, like, if it's the first time that people are actually being social about video games. Um, like, Maybe it's because this is the first one to actually break into the mainstream. That is a fair thing to say. But to say, like, this is the first time that, po- uh, that video games have been social is sort of missing the point entirely. Like, there have been, since the fucking arcade ages, there was Tower of Druaga, where people were writing entire notebooks of how to beat the game next to the arcade machine. Like, that was community feeling there has always been some sort of community sense in video games and to claim that pokemon go basically invented communal video gaming is sort of bullshit um and i think the only reason that it has picked up is because it's on a smartphone everybody has a platform to run it on and it's hit the mainstream because everybody who was uh our age basically is now of the age to be playing pokemon go on their smartphone and there are a lot of us and we're all over the world so it's just the right timing and everything it's perfect it doesn't make pokemon go as big of a phenomenon as the media is claiming it is it is huge yes i'm willing to acknowledge that is not as huge as everyone is claiming because uh i would correct you on that by saying that right now like i've seen reports and you'll say it's in the news again blah 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 but People are saying, and I've talked with marketing people, people are saying that right now, Pokemon Go is A, bigger than the Olympics, and B, bigger than most social network to reach people. So I don't believe that entirely. I believe it partially, but not entirely. Fair. I think it's still it. I think it's bigger than the Olympics, yes. I don't think it's bigger than social networks, because people are discussing Pokemon Go on the social networks. Because there are no social features within it. Like, you need the social networks to actually make Pokemon Go a viable thing because it's basically kind of inscrutable as an app and it's also a pretty terrible app. Um, The one thing I do actually want to ask you, and I think that might be what we're going to close with, is how long do you think this has as a lifetime? Because I think excitement about Pokemon Go has gone down significantly recently because people are fucking tired of catching Pidgeys. Um, Fair. <laughs> oh, did you did you see? I I need to find that and put it in the show note. It's the Pokemon rap, where most of the Pokemon is like, Pidgey, 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 Rattata, Rattata, Pidgey, Pidgey, Pidgey. It's so funny. Tony showed it to me. It's like I was like just laughing so much. Uh, but to answer your question, I'll be honest, and I don't know. Like, like I think I, have, I, I think the have, timing like, for Pokemon Go Plus is a big issue because I don't yes. know if Pokemon Go. Pl- plus is going to come out and people are just not going to be excited about the game anymore or it also has the potential of just creating another spike in activity when it comes out again i I don't know i'll be honest with you i don't know too and hopefully for them what will happen is the uh, kind of uh, attention to pokemon go will start to go down a bit and then pokemon go plus will get released without any delay any additional delay it will be released in september and then it will bring attention back to pokemon go and they will be able to kind of keep it steady and maybe lost about uh a bit of interest and maybe if they're smart they're going to release the next 150 pokemon like right there that or we you they release the pokemon go plus and like a couple of months later maybe a month or two they do that again maybe close to the uh, holiday season so the Pokemon Go Plus will be become like the first item on most people's wish list because if we look at Mitomo which is Nintendo's oh, attempt come on come on don't go there you know that Mitomo was okay you won't like what I say but you know that Mitomo should have you know was a failure when it started no I, I know it I started agree. like I and blah 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 but 
I we both look at it and we both were like, yeah. And you played it a lot. Like, yeah, I remember you were pretty active on Mitomo, but we For all like knew two that. Weeks. It was, <laughs> yes, we all knew that Mitomo was the perfect example of those free to play games. They get their spotlight time, they are on the spotlight, they are the one. And then two weeks later, nobody talks about it. And it doesn't seem to be this way with Pokemon. It, it, like, it, we are celebrating the one month anniversary of it in the United States. And it seems to me that people are still talking shit ton of it. Like, I meet people, I meet friends, I meet, like, parents. And at some point in the conversation, Pokemon Go will come. Like, either are they, either the, like, some of my friends are just like, oh, did you do this? Did you do that? What le- which level are you? Which name you are? Or parents say, oh, you don't know what my kids asked me to do. So they want me to install Pokemon Go. And I remember Pokemon when I was a bit younger, but it was like my, like, younger brother or sister they were watching it that was like too old for it and I, like still a bit like I don't understand it too much but I do but it's like ah eh, it's weird but it's still like in people's mind and after a month with all of our kind of a instant gratification like kind of ideology these days with social network and all like it is good for them and it gives me hope that it will stay relevant for more than two weeks What's good is there is a lot of Pokemon Go fan art, which is really good, especially for the leaders of the three various teams that you can get. And I am just happy that that fan art exists. That is basically the only thing I enjoy about Pokemon Go, but I am happy that it exists. So as long as that fan art comes out, I'll be happy. Yep. And uh, last, I would say that if they're able to conjugate like hardware launch plus software updates, and keep the vibe up, I think they they will have a shit ton of people using it for the long run. We'll see. Okay, so that is all for uh, this week's episode. You can find the show notes for this episode at limitlesspossibility.net slash 47, or you can find all of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. The podcast is on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And Luc Olivier is at Luconoche, L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. Oh, before we go, Mm. I would like to tell you, Yannick, that we are officially starting this end of the episode. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. On the road of our second anniversary. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to talk about DJ Booty Butt. Yeah, okay. Uh, for those of you who missed the link in last week, uh, last episode, uh, there was a great cover of Love Story by Taylor Swift by DJ Bootybutt. And unfortunately, I guess he noticed that we linked to it and it became popular or something. And he quickly removed the song from his SoundCloud. And unfortunately, we can no longer listen to his great song. Yeah, and sadly, it was quite interesting. Me listening to it after recording the show was just amazing. Yeah, but yeah. So we're ending at episode forty-seven. Oh, it's a couple of episodes away from our second anniversary. I'm so thrilled about it. That's why I'm mentioning it now. Hmm. May- maybe we'll do something special. Who knows? I don't know. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. <laughs>